Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pirkei Avos podcast. This is Rabbi Shlomo Kohn, where we live with ethics of the Torah. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to reach out to me at Rabbi Shlomo Kohn with a K at gmail.com. So tonight, we're going to be doing Perek Vav Mishnah's Yud and Yud Aleph, chapter 6, Mishnah's 10 and 11. Now, tonight, besides from being our regular Pirkei Avos class, Tonight, we're going to be completing, or this episode, we're going to be completing the book of Pirkei Avos, of Ethics of the Fathers. And I want to congratulate everyone who's been part of this podcast, part of this year. It's definitely been a long road. And God willing, we're going to continue again from the beginning with more great content, with more great lessons. And God willing, uh, my prayer is that the this this class should keep growing and this podcast should keep growing and growing and cause and be a source of uh, inspiration for people and for myself for many many years if and again if you'd like to to send me an email to tell me how you enjoyed this podcast to wish me mazel tov or to wish us mazel tov please send me an email. I would love to hear about it, how you enjoy this class, how you enjoy this podcast, um, the different lessons you've learned. And again, the email is Rabbi Shlomo Kohn with a K at gmail.com. Looking forward to hearing from you. So like I mentioned before, we're going to be finishing this week with two Mishnayos. So Mishnah 10 and Mishnah 11. So the Mishnah begins... Right? There are five possessions that the Holy One, Hashem, blessed is He, acquired for Himself in His world. And what are they? These are the five possessions. And we're going to explain what this means. Number one, Torah. The Torah is one possession. Shamayim va'aretz. Kinyanechad. The second possession is heaven and earth. Number three, Avraham, Kenyan Echad. Abraham is a possession. Yisrael, number four, the nation of Israel, Kenyan Echad, is one possession. Beis Migdash, the holy temple, Kenyan Echad, is a possession. Now, before we get into the different sources scripturally that are going to show how each one of these possessions is, is, a, is, is I guess, a, is something which, or before I get into how each one of these things are possessions of Hashem, we have to first understand what does it mean that God has five possessions, right? It seems a little interesting. Doesn't everything belong to Hashem? Right? What are the five possessions that we're referring to in this Mishnah? And what is their significance? Right? We know that everything is Hashem, right? Everything, everything belongs to God. So what is why are we specifying these five um, different things that they, they are the possessions of Hashem? So I want to give a few answers first to first answer this question, and then we'll go through the different. Um, possessions, kinyonim, that the Mishnah refers to. 
So the first answer to our question is that Pharisee Yisrael is a commentary on the Mishnah. He, he discusses this question and he says the following, that the five kinyanim, the five possessions that, that God has are the five things that God, the, that, that, these are the five things that God designated to bring about his plan and creation, to accomplish his vision for the world and to bring glory to the name of Hashem. So again, it's not that God is really in control. God is in control of everything. He possesses everything. He encompasses it all. But the five, these five kinyanim, these five possessions are the, the tools which he's going to use to bring about his plan and creation. And we're, we're going to go through them one by one a little bit later on to explain how that's so. So number two, the Sfasemes, he explains that the five, the, these five um, things that we brought down in the Mishnah are five ways in which Hashem, which God provided mankind with the ability to connect to him, to have a relationship with him. And we see that you go through Torah, heaven and earth, um, the, na the, the nation of Israel, Abraham, the temple. They are the means and the ways that a person can have a relationship with Hashem. And we're also, we're going to explain a little bit more later on as well. The Maharal, he explains the answer to this question is that that the, the possessions that we're referring to are not regular possessions. You're right, everything does belong to Hashem. But these possessions are unique. They're different. Because we know that there's three different categories of, of ownership and, and having something. The, the first level is that when someone owns something, they have, they don't, there's a certain level of ownership when someone has something in their possession but then there's a higher level when somebody has it in his possessions, but yet can control, is, is fully dominant over that object. An example is that if you know someone could own a dog, but they're not fully in control of that dog, as opposed to a situation where someone has something. If you own, you know, you, you own a candy bar, you're in full control of that candy bar. You decide to eat the candy bar, you decide to not eat the candy bar. So he's saying number one is there's a difference in ownership when you when you fully control something or not control something. Number two is that you have to have a desire to own this article, right? So the more necessary the article is, the more the more the more um, the more the object is coveted, right? So a house, you 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 need a house, right? It's, it's, it's essential. So the more there's there's more of a degree of ownership in a house, being that you have to have a a, a roof over your head than something as opposed to something else, right? You don't care about uh, a small thing that, you know, that you, uh, you know, the little toy you have, because that's not as important as a house. And number three is that a, a, a degree in ownership, a, a more, you possess something more when, when you are, when there's, when there's nothing else like it, it's essential and nothing else can fill that void. And when the Torah, sorry, when the, when we listed these five possessions in the Mishnah, the Maral, who, who gives very deep understandings of the Torah, he says that the five possessions that we've referred to in the Mishnah 
are, are a deeper level and more complete level of ownership than anything else. So we, we have a few different answers to our question of why the five possessions and what's the significance. So we, we said number one is it's the, the way that God can bring or the five mechanisms and or the way that Hashem brings about his plan to fruition. Number two is it's the different ways that we can have a relationship. And number three is it was the different levels of ownership. Now, I want to go into each one of these five possessions, as we said, one at a time. So let's go back to the Mishnah and go through the different sources that we brought down to bring a proof that, that, this, that each one is a possession of Hashem. And we said it's a special possession. So let's, let's go through it one by one. So Torah Minayim. From where do we know about the Torah that is considered one of the special possessions of Hashem? Diksiv, as it's written, Hashem konani reishis darkai kedem of meaz. It says that God acquired me the Torah at the beginning of his way before his works in time of yore. That's from Proverbs. And I think it's referring to the fact that the Torah was created, was brought into existence before the world was created. Shemayim va'aretz minayim. How do we know that the heaven and earth are also the second special possession of Hashem, the second possession of second special possession of God. as it says, As it says, since it is written, so says God, the heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What house can you build for me? And where is the place of my rest? And furthermore, it's written, Vaimer, Ma Rabu Masecha Hashem, Kulam Bachachmalasisa And it says, How abundant are your works, God, with your wisdom? You made them all. The earth is full of your possessions, which is from Psalms, from Tehillim. How do we know that Avraham is one of the possessions, the five special possessions? Abraham is one of the five special possessions of Hashem, of God. And we're, we're going to explain what that means. How could Abraham be one of the possessions? How does that work? And it says, And he blessed him and said, Blessed is Abraham of God, the Most High, who acquired heaven and the earth. This is from Bereshus. Yisrael Minayin. And how do we know that the nation of Israel is also one of the special possessions of God? As it says, As as it's since it's written until your people passes through God, until it passes through this people you acquired. We bring another verse. And it also says, but for the holy ones who are in the earth and for the mighty, all my desires are due to them. And finally, we say, how do we know that the holy temple is also the fifth Possession, it says, It says, As it says, your dwelling place, since it's written, your dwelling place, which you, God, have made the sanctuary, my Lord, that your hands established. And finally, and he brought them to the sacred boundary to this mountain, which his right hand acquired. So there's a lot of different information. You know, this Mishnah is a little bit harder to understand. We're, we're trying to get
get, gain some clarity. So we, we started off with the different reasons for five. And now what I wanted to do is I wanted to explain the five possessions and how they're significant in the plan of the world and how it brings the vision of God into fruition. So number one is we said the Torah. So the, as I mentioned before, we know the word for Torah comes from Tor, which means to teach. And since the Torah is the guidebook and is the master plan for the world, so therefore it's essential to bringing out the mission of God, to bring the honor of Hashem to this world. And it is also something which merits a person closeness to Hashem as well. And therefore it is essential to the mission. Number two, Shamayim Va'aretz, heaven and earth. We know that when we go to somewhere beautiful, when we see something just majestic in nature, what's our first reaction? You know, I've never been to the Grand Canyon, but I've been told that when you stand there, there's a certain sense of awe and inspiration and, you know, sort of uh, this sort of feeling that there's a God in the world. When you see these sites in nature, the Swiss Alps, the, you know, the desert, these amazing creations, the natural feeling of a person is that there must be a God in the world. And that's how it's supposed to be. And I think this is the idea that the mission is conveying that aside from the Torah, right? Where the Torah is the, the way that we get to the, to the, to the goal, right? But the, the fact that there's a heaven and earth as well, that also attests to the fact that God is in charge of the world and God created the world as well. And this is just something which also is, a, is an important idea that we need to keep in our mind. Number three, Abraham, Abraham. So we just, it's important to note that according to some opinions, the Abraham is not listed as one of the five possessions. According to others though, it doesn't necessarily just mean Avram Avinu. It means Avram Avinu and the ideas that he represented and what he accomplished in his life. We know that Avram Avinu, the Abraham, was referred to as Av Hamon Goyim. He was the father of many nations. And the, the commentaries explain that Avram Avinu was the first person to introduce monotheism into the world. That means before Avram Avinu, and obviously during his lifetime as well, people served many gods. People were poly polytheistic. They believed that there was a god of the sun and a god of the ground and a god of the spring and a god of the summer. It wasn't until Avram Avinu, Abraham, introduced to the world on a mass scale the concept of monotheism, that there is one god and he is one. He was before and will be after. And this idea, which Avram Avinu represents, what he lived for, um, is also part of the plan of Hashem. Because we know that in a perfect world, everybody is supposed to recognize Hashem. And that is the, the ultimate end game. The ultimate, you know, what will be in the end of, you know, the ultimate plan of God is that there will be a day when everyone will proclaim Hashem Echad Echad, that, that God is one and that, you know, uh, that they'll recognize the truth to recognize the truth. So the idea is, is that 
one of when when the Mishnah tells us that Avram Avinu Abraham is one of the special possessions of Hashem, and we said before the possessions means that he's one of the special tools that God has five possessions, which are his his tools are his means to accomplishing his goals, his vision of the world. So we said the Torah, which is very under it's very clear to understand how that can accomplish the goal of bringing glory to Hashem's name, to recognizing the fact that there's a God in the world. We understand it because you need to have a instruction manual to get to that point. So that's the Torah. It's very clear to us how heaven and earth can also brings about the realization that there is a God in the world. When it comes to Avram Avinu, to Abraham, it also is a intrinsic to the divine plan because it represents this idea that there will be a time that there's one God in the world and there will be a time when people have that realization that there is only one God and he is in charge of everything in the world. Another explanation as to why Abraham is listed as one of the special possessions and how he, he, he is one of the tools, right? Whatever that means is a deeper level to that, obviously, is that according to some commentaries, Avram Avinu, Abraham, was, was the first complete person. Now, the way I understood that is that Avram Avinu, Abraham, was someone who reached his potential. He, and, and, I, and I think if I'm understanding the, the morale properly, is that he was the first person to reach his potential. And I think part, aside from God having a, a, a vision for the world, there's also, that's also dependent on us being the best we can be from us to help implementing that vision. And aside, you know, there's the general um, picture of where the world has to get to, but included in that, in that um, picture is us. Us as individuals, we contribute to this beautiful panoramic picture that started before us and will be around after us. And in order for that picture to be completed properly, we have to live up to our potential. We have to be the best we can be. Because if people just live with just, just being, just, just, just killing time, as the expression goes, they don't have any goals and aspirations and trying to improve themselves. So then it's a lot harder for humanity as a whole to get to where they're supposed to get to. And when I say humanity, I don't mean is, what I mean is, is what God's um, vision of what humanity should be like. So I think when the Mishnah lists Avram Avinu as, as one of the special possessions, it doesn't just mean Avram Avinu, but rather it means what he represented. And the way we're explaining it now is that number one is the concept of monotheism, that the fact that everyone in the world will realize that there is one God, that Hashem is in charge. And that's what Avram Avinu did. He introduced it in, in, on, a, on a mass basis to the world at large. And the world will get to that point at a certain point in time. Additionally, he represents this thought that we have in, in, in the broader picture of things, us as individuals, have a responsibility to, to be the best we can be, to reach our potentials. And that is that idea is represented in Avram Avinu. 
because he was the first person to do that. Number four, Israel. We know that the Jewish people are referred to as the chosen people. Why is that? It's because Hashem chose them to be the messengers to the world, to be the light upon the nations. And in order for the message of Hashem to the message of God to, to I guess, to come to fruition, you need to have a nation of Israel to get to that point, to spread that message, to spread that light. Now, it doesn't mean that people are better than other people, but it means that God gave this mission to the Jewish people to do. And it's, it's just the fact, you know, you look at the Torah, you look at the, the Bible and we see that the God chose the Jewish people, right? We're coming shortly to the holiday of Shavuos and the, the Midrashim bring down, the commentaries bring down how God went to the other nations of the world first before he gave the Torah to the Jewish people and offered them the Torah. And the, the Talmud relates, I believe it's the Talmud as well, but relates the different back and forth that the other nations of the world had when they were approached to accept the Torah from God. And each nation said, you know, what is in the Torah? It says, do not steal. And they said, oh, no, we can't do that. We steal. Another nation said, it's, what does it say in the Torah? It says, do not kill. Oh, we don't do that. We can't do it. Don't, we, we don't want it. Until finally, the last nation that God offered the Torah to was the Jewish people. And the Jewish people's response was, Na'asef inishma. Before even knowing what was in the Torah, they accepted. They accepted the, the whatever it was. And it's, um, it's just something we should remember that obviously it comes with responsibility that, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a reason why there's such a focus on the state of Israel. You ever think about it? It's a tiny little nation. There's about um, 8 million people, 9 million people in Israel. There's so many more nations that are way bigger than the state of Israel and get way less time and attention on the news. You know, think about this question. Why is it that a tiny piece of real estate, you know, that's in the desert gets tons of attention, right? Something to think about because there's the, you know, the, it's the... Um, the Jewish people were the, I guess, sometimes we're, we're, we're focused upon. There's a responsibility that we have. I think the world knows it as well, that, you know, when nations could be massacring their own civilians, no one does anything. But if, you know, if, if, a, if a bomb goes off, one bullet hits one person, the wrong person, the whole world's in an uproar to Israel. Why is that? Because the Jewish people are held to a higher standard. So my point is, is that you're right. We are a light unto the nations. But at the same time, it's also a responsibility that we have to uphold um, and we have to fulfill. Number five, the Beis HaMikdash, the temple. Now, the temple, the holy temple stood in Jerusalem and it was destroyed. Two temples were built um, in history. And each one of them were destroyed. The first one was destroyed by the Greeks. 
The second one was destroyed by the Romans. And we know that in, in Judaism, we believe that, God willing, the third temple will be rebuilt. And it hasn't been, you know, it's, right now it's the, the Temple Mount. There is a, there's a mosque there, but God willing, one day it will be rebuilt. Um, the idea is, is that the temple also meant it was part of the, the mission or the fulfillment of God's vision because the temple represented a, a microchasm of how the world was supposed to be before the sin of Adam. Before the sin of Adam, there was a, a different plan for the world. And obviously, there's a reason why Adam sinned. And we had this is part of God's plan that we should go through this whole process. But the temple was a place on this earth where a person could sense and see the presence of Hashem, the presence of God clearly. And it was, it, was a, um, it was a way that people were able to reach their potentials because when they were able to see what they're supposed to be doing and how they're supposed to be acting, and they had that inspiration, right? Because a person would have, the revel have a revelation of God's presence. They would... They would, you know, have a sense of responsibility to themselves. They would push themselves to do the right thing. So the, the temple is an essential component into each person being the best person they could be. And for the, the, the Jewish nation to be the most complete nation and for the world to also be in its most perfect utopian state. So therefore, it's also listed as the fifth possession, which is part of that roadmap for that that god has that the, i guess the tools that god gave us to get to the the place where to complete the mission that god has for this world so it comes out right now that from all these kenyanim the five possessions that we listed that they compromise the world its purpose and the tools that are made available and are, and are needed for us to attain its actual mission now the question which i wanted to bring out and i wanted to just talk about one last question before we go so i think we got a little bit of clarity in this mishnah about the five why it, there's five possessions why they're special and the significance of each and every one one question which i saw brought down is that why do we have to list abraham separately from the nation of israel we listed abraham was the was the third possession, and the nation of Israel was the fourth possession. You would think that Abraham, his, what he represented, could be included in the nation of Israel. Why was it necessary that we had to list it separately? So one of the answers which I saw brought down, and I really feel it has a very um, special lesson that we can take out from it, is that Rebruvian Feinstein brings down that the reason why Aramavino or Abraham was listed separately aside from the Jewish people as a separate possession, was because that he didn't just, Avram Avinu, he didn't just affect um, his own children. He affected the whole world at large, right? As I mentioned before, he introduced monotheism. He didn't just focus on himself and his own descendants. He, he had a broader picture. He tried to help everybody. And therefore, since he had that attitude and outlook, it was, it was appropriate to list them separately. And it's the lesson I wanted to bring out from this thought is that many times we tend to have blinders on ourselves. We have horse blinders. We, we, just, we just look straight ahead and we tend to not 
think of the next person. We're focusing on ourselves, our causes, our, our institutions, everything that is important to me. Um, it's also um, beneficial and, and um, praiseworthy for a person to take off those blinders and try to look around for the greater good of, of the people around you, for starting with your family, going to your community, you know, the, and the world at large. We should always have a outlook to try to not just focus on ourselves and the people and our causes and our institutions, have a, have, have a, like a more broader outlook. Try to be like Avram Avinu, like Abraham, who didn't just look at his own needs and his needs of his family. He tried to bring the ideas of Hashem to the world at large. And it's just something to think about, to keep an eye out for, to take away those blinders and to have more of a, a view of what's going on and not just say hyper-focused on what we need, what we want, what we want to do. Let's continue. So this that is Mishnah Yud. So for Mishnah Yud Aleph, it's the last Mishnah. It's a short Mishnah. The Mishnah begins. That all that Hashem, that the Blessed One, be, all that God created in this world, He created for His glory. As it says, Shenemar, Kola Nikra Bishmi Lechvaydi Barasiv Yatsartiv Afasisiv. Right? And he, as it says in Isaiah, all that is called by my name, indeed it is for my glory that I have created it, formed it, and made it. And it says, God shall reign for all eternity. That is in Exodus. Now, just one idea I wanted to bring out, or a few ideas, two ideas I wanted to bring out, is that the Mishnah is giving us an important um, thought to finish with. That everything in this world and everything that happens is for the glory of Hashem, is for the honor of God. Now, Two, a, a few lessons which I want to bring out is that we know that every person has a piece of God in him or her. The Mishnah is giving us an important idea here that when we, when it comes to, you know, coming off the last Mishnah, of, you know, especially with Avram Avinu, with Abraham, of not having those blinders, the Mishnah is ending off that every person and everything that happens and every, every molecule, right? has a piece of God in him or her. Every object has a purpose. Every molecule is going to fulfill them, its mission, right? There's a reason why everything happens and everything is here. And that's ultimately to bring honor to Hashem, to bring glory to, to Hashem, to God. And it's something which maybe seems a little foreign to us because if you look at the world, there sure, there sure seems to be things that just don't make sense that don't seem to be good, how, you know, how, does, how is a, uh, a bomb bringing glory to Hashem, right? The first thing is we have to internalize this thought, and we have to realize that it's true, that there's potential within us, within every human being, within every object, to, to bring about good, and to be a part of this mission, which gets humanity and the world to the place it needs to be. Being said, like I mentioned before, it's sometimes difficult to see the good in every situation. 
right? When you have when you have people killing each other, or you have these hard situations, or you have a situation like a Holocaust or inventions that have created um, destructions, right? The atom bomb. How is that a good thing? How is that? How is that? How is that bringing glory to Hashem? So the there's a reason why the verse over here it says, and one of the verses which prove the point that everything was for Hashem's glory. It says. Hashem yim and God shall reign for all eternity. Is that many times we see things and we don't understand it. We don't, we don't get the full picture because we're only flesh and blood. Our, our media eyes can only see so far. We can't see, like I mentioned before, we're part of this panoramic view which started before us and went after us. And if you take this, this, this landscape, this picture, right, and you zoom into it, Right, which we are, we're zoomed into it. All we see is blur. We don't see, but if you get pulled back, if you take the camera lens back, 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 you see a beautiful picture. So the point is, the idea is, is that right now, we don't understand everything, right? But there will be a day, right? Hashem, God will reign forever, that in the heavens, you know, there will be a time when we will understand. Right now, we can't comprehend because we're flesh and blood. And we, we have limitations to ourselves, but we have to know and believe that everything that happens is for the good. Everything is here for a reason. And the reason is, you know, it is part of this mission and this goal that humanity has that will happen no matter what, nothing could stop it. And it's just what I want to end in the thought is that the thought I want to end with is, is that it comes down to outlook and attitude. You know, the biggest question and the biggest philosophical question that people have is, you know, why do good, bad things happen to good people and why does this happen? And people struggle with these dilemmas of good and evil. But if we know and we internalize this last message of Perkeyavos, the last Mishnah, it makes life a lot easier. It makes our challenges easier to overcome. I'm not saying it takes it away. But when we know that there's a goal and ultimately everything's for our best and we try to think about these things and there's a reason for everything, nothing is by coincidence. It, it makes our lives um, easier and it makes a, there's a, it, you know, it puts us on a trajectory, puts us on a trajectory to get to where we need to go, which is to fill our potential. So with that, I want to finish off for today's Mishnahs. I hope you all enjoyed. And Mazel Tov on finishing Perkyavos with the Perkyavos podcast. We will be continuing, God willing, with from the beginning, Mishnah Aleph, which is back to the, the, be the, the beginning of the tractate. And if you have any questions or comments or would like to wish me Mazel Tov or tell me how you enjoyed this class or podcast, I would love to hear your feedback. Please send me an email at Rabbi Shlomo Koma, the K at gmail.com. Everyone have a great day.